Welcome everybody to the Spawn of Me podcast. This is episode 92 of our show. I'm your host, Khalif Adams, and I'm joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow. He is the red lion to my green lion. I'm not even going to take the black lion. I'm taking the green lion. Cicero Holmes, how are you, sir? I am doing well. The black lion is for the people. (laughs) So (laughs) there, there we go. And, uh, you know, it was so nice. I'll have to say it twice. Happy New Year for the first official new show of 2016. Clap it up. From from Chicago. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The Cheddar Bay Biscuit lowered down. The grease fell down from uh, from Chicago Square uh, at New Year. And uh, everyone felt really good about themselves. They got a little bit of McRib juice on them. Mm. And, and, you know, and everything, everything is all right in Bricago. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. I think I, I, think I had a pretty good week after last week's show. I, I was, it was a, 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 a long time coming to get all that stuff together. Yes, but yes. <laughs> great job, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. The, the, the people yeah. of Bricago, we did it for you because we love yes. you and we want you to have dope stuff. So. Yes. Um, but the week itself has been pretty good. It's been really busy uh, getting everything ready for a thing that we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show. Absolutely. Uh, but it's been but it's been good. Uh, Portland is treating me well. We had some new folks come through uh, yeah. from old from old Bricago, uh right. to to new to new Portland, right. uh, who are now living here. So it's been nice to kind of get people acclimated to. Uh, living in the Pacific Northwest, so that's pretty. Yeah, nice. and 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 you guys, uh, they they were kind enough to bring you snow, and Yo. it sh- it shut Bricago West down. So what people don't understand is shut it down. Yeah, what people don't understand is you know if you're from the East Coast, you understand what snow is, but if you're on the West Coast, people have no idea the fuck snow is. <laughs> and they lose their minds. So we had we had less than an inch and a half of snow and all of Portland shut down. Literally <laughs> shut down like there were no buses. You they told people to stay home. I got a day off from work. There was a snow day. You got a snow day from work. Let me just tell you. So in Chicago, we had two feet of snow one time and we didn't get a snow day. I, the only time. Me. The only time we get snow days is when it's so cold that everything is frozen. Yeah. Yeah. We, we They shut the whole city down. So the, the, the issue <laughs> is they don't have enough plows out here to, to shovel. Plus, uh, they don't really use salt on the roads. Uh, so so they had their minuscule amount of snow. And, people, and, it, and it was like, what am I to do? I can't go anywhere with all this snow on the ground. I don't understand it. Where should I go? And people had no idea what to do. The bottom of my trousers are wet. I think my Timberlands are dry. I must get them outside and put some feet on the snow. I love this. It's wonderful. And it was like, what the hell just happened to people where they couldn't go outside for the snow? So it was interesting to see people like uh, kind of try to maneuver and get things together. Uh, we have a lot of hills out here in Portland. A lot of people don't understand that. That's a thing. Uh, so when you are trying to go up a hill when it's when they don't put salt down it's a little bit difficult because your car will slide the fuck down and you run to other people's cars do it right you so, don't so go up the hill you don't go up the hill so they, they shut the, the city down for the most part uh and i sat home and laughed like a like a joyous child i was like awesome, look at all awesome. you people <laughs> you awesome 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 how about you how uh, was your week 
uh, you know, hey, listen, man, I'm here. Um, you know, we got great feedback. We we got some uh, great images on Twitter, uh, in, including one of just a row of wind turbines in water. <laughs> um, shout out to you, Lisa, um, who who recently moved. Um, I'm glad she made her cross country trek. Okay, um, so shout out to Lisa Brown. Glad she's uh, she's all settled in in her new digs. And, uh, you know, some other awesome things actually happened. Some things that we didn't talk about in the last episode that happened over the holiday break was uh, yours truly. Um, actually, Kai and I both were in uh, the latest episode of Electric Shadow talking, adding our voice amongst the the the. Uh, I guess the magnitude of people talking about the Force Unwakens, the Force Unwakens, the Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I just made the a Force thing. be sleeping. They be sleeping. Um, the Force Awakens on the Electric Shadow. Uh, shout out to Moises Chulion, um, our, our ESN network head, who put on put together a fantastic show. Um, it's really, 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 really done well. Um, and then uh, I was also on the Press Row podcast uh, for the end of the year special talking about the games, the sports games of the year. Um, as you know, of course, your boy Stubby Stan had the had the the order correct because I am a purveyor of great taste. Um, and addition, in addition to that. Uh, your boy, the great captain, the Kamudgeon himself, Kajakins Khalif Adams, wrote a fantastic article in Sports Gamers Online about the uh, the future of VR and what it what it means for the world. It was a really really good article, and we'll actually be talking about VR. That's a little bit of foreshadowing because I'm so dope. We'll be talking about VR later on in the show. Word, word, word. Yeah. Yeah, so it was pretty busy in Chicago, both yeah. both uh, West and and Central. Uh, we we have a lot of good stuff coming up in this month and also in shows to come. But in episode ninety two, we are super excited. We have yes. some dope people <sighs> to come hang out with us this week. We, we have live in Chicago East. Yes, in Chicago East, we have. The, the I have to, I feel like I need to do it like the old uh, uh, '90s Bulls. Like, okay, we oh, have shit. Oh, playing God from Brooklyn. She comes in at about five three. I'm using my I'm using my like my old uh, <laughs> my old process server skills. Right. Comes in at five three from the island of Brooklyn. We have Cat Small. Hooray! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Cat Small. We also have coming in from the island of New York. I'm just going to be really general. We have <laughs> coming in at a tall and slender 5'11 and 3 quarters, possibly 6'2, possibly 7'1. <laughs> Chris Algu. Hey, everyone. Uh... I just gave I just gave you I just I just gave you like NYPD <laughs> stats right there. Right, right. Yeah, description. It is New York. <laughs> For, yeah, right. Native New York stats. And we also have coming in playing the small forward. We have coming in at six foot five. 
Possibly on a Thursday, or possibly. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't finish it. Dennis Liao, how are you, sir? What up? I couldn't finish it. I tried and I couldn't finish it. All together, they make up the dopeness that is Brooklyn Gamery. How are you all doing yes. today? Thank you so much for coming through and being on the yes. show with us this week. You know it. Yeah, yeah excited to be here. Super Happy excited. New Year, guys. Yeah. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Word. Um, so we're super excited to have you on because we wanted to have you guys on last year. It sounds weird to say it last year. But, right. uh, you know, the, the, the gods and the earths, they, they didn't make it happen. They, they right. stopped us from doing it. Word the earths. Right. Uh, but it's actually kind of better right now that we have you on now because you guys have something big coming up this weekend, which we definitely want to talk to you about. You guys are rocking your first expo. The Game Devs of Color Expo 2016 is going down. I am super excited for it. We're going to try to blow it up as much as we possibly can on social media and all the good places. And we want to know what is the deal with your expo. So I'm going to let Kat go first. Kat, run down what the expo is. Give the people of Chicago the full deals. Sure. So the 2016 Game Developers of Color Expo is a multi-part event that really focuses on just um, the intersection of race and games. And that can be in terms of game developers themselves, like whether it be their identity and kind of how that comes into making games, but it can also be things like the portrayal of people in games. And we really wanted to give uh, developers of color a chance to show their games off to people, have people come in and actually play those games, buy those games and support them directly. So really excited about this event coming up. Dope, dope, dope. Chris, Chris, what are your thoughts on, on everything with the, with the Expo coming up? We've been doing work in this space for a while. Um, we've run a number of game jams where we attempted to highlight areas that aren't often covered in games. We made blackgamedevs.com that highlighted a number of black game developers in various different areas. And with this event, we want to do something similar. We want to make visible that there are so many game developers of color out there. And we've actually heard from at least two teachers that they'd like to come and bring students here. And that's really excited for the, that's, that's awesome. the young people to be able to see that there's <laughs> the developers youngins. who look like them that are making games. Badass, badass. Dennis, Dennis, I kind of want to hear from you, you know, what was the kind of uh, feeling in the room when you guys kind of had this concept of making this happen? I'm, I'm always curious of, of when the kind of uh, the kind of start of something happens and what is it like one of those things we look at each other and you're like, hey, I have an idea. <laughs> and then it just starts. But kind of get kind of get the folks at home uh, kind of an idea of how everything got started with the expo. Uh, so from my perspective. I sit in a basement and I code. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I shit you not. And basically Kat and Chris are like, hey, we have this cool idea. Uh, We want to do this thing. And I go, okay. (laughs) Go forth, my children. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, We we have very different roles in terms of like what we do, but the thing is the things that Chris and Kat kind of plug in terms of uh, the themes for game jams, or in this case, the People of Color Expo, they're great things, right? And they're all things that kind of like, uh, at least all of us can relate to, right? I can't wait to actually go to that round table and talk some serious shit 
<laughs> about everything that we deal with. You know what I mean? Because you know when you're when you're of a certain persuasion, you have a very different perspective, right. and there are things that people don't notice that only we do. And it's nice to be in uh, the same room with some kindred spirits. So, so when yeah. you get into the room, you walk in at six foot ten. <laughs> and you, and you, shadow, you overshadow everyone in the room yeah. and you roll up with your theme music which I, which I haven't heard yet and when you get to that round table to talk the shit that you want to talk the best shit you've ever talked what is, what is the thing that you're going to first discuss when you go to that round table what is going to be the thing that is the, the bane of your existence what's the thing that you want people to know as soon as you get in that room uh, I think the first thing that sends out is how much resistance we get for doing things like this yeah where it's like hey welcome to the room guys oh man can you believe how much fucking shit we got for even plugging this event right (laughs) um and i don't know like from externally i I can kind of see the point of view where they think this is just a bunch of pretentious assholes kind of like trying to gain social status or whatever by trying to be like the most liberal or whatever the hell you know like oh i care about black people you know like that kind of shit (laughs) but it it, and and so we've been accused of like race baiting you know by people that like otherwise in other settings i've been cool with and i I, you know like other game developers were and that really hurts right it's like Mm. you go to an expo you try out a game you think the game's really dope and then later on, I'm getting assaulted by fucking thumb thugs on Twitter. <laughs> Yo, thugs, like, yes. hold on one second. I love that. That's great. Like, hold on, wait a minute. Yeah, you have now coined a phrase that we will be using for millennia. To I, I, yes. I, I cannot. Yes. I can't take credit for it. I'm, I'm gonna give that credit to Rashida White. Yo, Rashida nice. White, wherever you are. You are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rashida's awesome. She's a UX designer at General Assembly where I work. Oh, yeah. man. Mm. Uh, thumb thugs. Yeah, man. Hashtag Just thumb people thugs. fucking hiding behind their phones and computers and bullshit. And like, yes. Yo, oh, man. Like, you know, see that shit? Like, like I, I hate that. That I, I can't do anything without, like, some bullshit happening online. It's because we've kind of bought into that culture. But mm-hmm. the that's the first thing I would talk about. When, when I walk into that room, I'm like, uh... I'm glad we did this. Are you glad we did this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we start from there. So I kind of want to dig into that a little bit more. Like, not, not the fact that we're all going to ro- bum rush the room and talk shit. But, <laughs> but, I, but I think, you know, before we get into more of the actual who, what's, where's, and why's, I did see a lot of that on, on Twitter and a lot of social media spaces where, you know, I know some of those people who, when I've rolled up in the Microsoft building, who I've played their games and talked a little bit of shit. Um, but Chris, I want to kind of dig into, you know, you, you guys have gotten some pushback on this and the pushback that we've gotten has seemed to have been and usually is pretty unreasonable, especially if you haven't been in the space and you're coming from that coming from that side of the table. What have you guys been talking about internally as far as like how to not necessarily um, uh, take it on? Uh, in, a, in a full in a full way, but like how to confront these kinds of arguments that they seem to be kind of layered in bullshit. Well, with this particular bit of bullshit, uh, we wanted to take it to the community and just see what they thought. Like, see if people, you know, a lot of people do think that we're race baiting, 
And so Kat made this really great post on Twitter, just, you know, what do you think of this event? What is your opinion? And we got a lot of really great feedback, and we found that a lot of people are really into this event and the idea. So we just tried to check ourselves and to make sure that what we were doing would be good for a lot of people. All right. Well, I mean, it, duh. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like the... I guess the the question that I have is is one that I already know the answer to. Um, I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to leave it with you, Chris, and I'll ask the question anyway. Um, why why is this important? What you know? So like, what do you say to the people that say that you're race baiting? What what do you what do you say to them directly? Like, what's what's your rebuttal to that? I think my favorite rebuttal would probably be. Something that was discussed in the Game So White hashtag from 2015. That there are so many games (laughs) and so many gamers and so many gamers are people of color and so many gamers are women. But like 90% of game protagonists are white men with, you know, stubble and power armor. And that's not cool. (laughs) (laughs) That is not cool that, that there's only one kind of story that's mostly being told. I kind of want, before before we jump to, to, to Kat really quick. I find it interesting about the term race bait. And isn't it interesting how race bait always catch racist stuff? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like That's you want to throw something bait. out there and they just come running. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, I wonder what I can throw out there. Anyway, right. so so I want to kind of dig into, you know, what the the day of uh, you know, day one looks like when you guys open the doors and there's like seven thousand people outside. Um and they're all waiting to get in. What what's going to happen when folks open up the doors to uh, Game Devs of Color 2016? Sure. So, firstly, we're probably going to be screaming our brains out because we're so excited. <laughs> nice. Second, after we finish the screaming part, yeah, there's going to be a roundtable for about an hour where we're just going to kind of really discuss a bunch of different things related to race and games and ethnicity and just the human identity because, you know, I mean, these things are, like, games aren't just like a a thing that we kind of like do always to escape now like sometimes we actually play games to experience other people's lives and so it's really important that we kind of talk about games in relation to society so we're going to talk about that and then after we do the round table we're going to jump into an arcade where we actually are going to have somewhere between 20 and 40 different games for people to play and these will be by people from not just new york but outside of new york and from other countries even so we're really excited to have that happen and that's going to be about two hours and then after that we're going to have a networking time for people so developers who were showing off their games and the general public can all kind of talk together um, and just kind of network and and you know get connects and things like that so we really just want it to be like a full day of just interfacing with people from different backgrounds not just like americans but like people from abroad as well and just all kinds of different people from different backgrounds kind of coming together um because of the fact that you know we happen to be in an industry that like really focuses on one group of people (laughs) when there are so many other amazing people out there whose experiences need to be heard have you have you guys uh, heard of or know of any of the larger gaming companies? Um, have have they have they seen this? Do you know if any of the of them are going to be there? There are lots of gaming companies in in New York. 
Um, you know, everyone complains about how, oh, well, you know, if you if you don't have, uh, you know, uh, you know, the people that say you're race baiting will will say, oh, well, you know, you're just you're just trying to trying to make things sound like uh, people don't pay attention to you guys. But are the big companies actually paying attention to you guys so that they can find uh, the next uh, next person of color, dev of color? Uh, to to work on a project, um, you know, cat. Sure, sure. sure I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Microsoft is definitely involved, and that's been really great. Like right. they've given us space, and they've been incredibly supportive um, throughout this entire process of organizing the event, and they've been very receptive. Um, especially during this time period in which everyone kind of like went on vacation for a bit, and everyone's kind of coming back. They've been really awesome and helpful. Um, We definitely have a lot of help from other smaller gaming companies, but we don't really have a lot of help from larger ones. And that's something that we'd definitely be open to having. And we'd be very excited about that because right now we're working with a very small type budget, which is totally fine. We'll manage. um, But we definitely want to make this even more awesome. So, for example, if a company like Intel had engaged us, that would have been really cool because they've done some really great things so but we'll see um what happens and we're really just excited to see how the first one goes even if it's a little bit smaller um working with microsoft and that's enough for the first run for sure sure. absolutely yeah i'm always curious to know what goes like and this is this is probably something that you know the next time we all snag you all to be on the show we can do a post-mortem on how everything went and talk about you know what you learned and what you and what you kind of figured out but you know, you guys are a couple of days away from from doing all this and, and all going all going down. <laughs> even in the small time that you've been not small time, but even in the in the short time that you've been doing the cat small time, <laughs> setting <laughs> setting everything up for this particular event. What are some of the things you've already learned about setting up? You know, the first of many expos. So it turns out that running remote booths for developers who aren't there is a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) So true. It turns out that computers are hard to come by and expensive to rent. So that's definitely been an interesting thing for us to to learn. Yeah, like it's so going to be worth it. But geez, it's really expensive to do. So we definitely learned a valuable thing there. Like we're really excited about it. But gosh, man. Also, yeah, my... My biggest learning thing has definitely been, like, the timing of, like, just communicating with people can really heavily affect the outcomes. So, for example, like, we were communi- we've been communicating with people for a while, but we really ramped up close to the end of December, which is obviously, in retrospect, a really bad idea <laughs> because everyone decides to go on vacation. And so we learned a very valuable lesson with that. And gladly, most of the stuff that we needed was were things that we could take care of by ourselves. Um, but there were definitely some things where it was like, crap, 600, person number 600 has gone on vacation and now I can't talk to them. So I'll just wait two weeks and it'll be great. Um but yeah, I think we definitely learned something a, a little bit more about timing. So if you're running a larger event that relies on a lot of people, try to think about communicating with them earlier, even earlier than you think you might have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris, Chris, anything you've learned so far? Um, well, the computer rental thing and 
definitely the importance of engaging with your community, especially when people accuse you of race baiting and that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Especially that. Right. What, what about you, Dennis? Um, I took this as practice into reaching out to other developers. And it's always, yeah, no, you know what, when you reach out to people, you're never sure what you're going to get, but it actually showed me a lot in terms of like how supportive the community is. Mm. So for example, like, um, uh, we got Orion, uh, to come through. So we're going to be showing that fucking game and you have no (laughs) idea how excited we are for that. Right. Like, and they just like, they immediately responded, you know what I mean? So it's like, cool. And these are people that like we look up to. Right. Right. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's always been something that surprises me. And it's actually one of my favorite aspects of working in this community. It's just like everyone's willing to to play a small part. They're big movements. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris, why don't you tell me if you if you have off the head off the top of your head, um, why don't you name drop some of the some of the devs that are going to be there or games that are going to be shown uh, to kind of whet people's appetite? Sure. There's actually a lot that we're excited about and some of them being the remote games. So like Dennis mentioned, Orion, which is made right. by a team of developers in Africa and just had a successful Kickstarter. Right. It looks like a nice. really sick action game with great combos. You know, exactly my kind of game. Really excited. We also have Joy Lancer, made by yes. Uh, yes. TJ Thomas yeah. from all the way on the West Coast. Another, like, sick combos game. Sorry. <laughs> I got a chance to play Joy Lancer at Indiecade in California, and it was so fun. And definitely excited That's for people everything. to be able to, yes. to play it. Yeah, super, yeah. super hyped for the fact you guys got those two games because those are yeah. those are two folks that we really, really love what they do. Absolutely. Yeah, and like two more actually are Combat Core. We're pretty sure we're going to be able to show, and then nice. Zarvat I think is also going to be there. Oh, and nice. there's a lot of other. Yeah, there's so many different kinds of games, and there's even like card games, for example. So not just limited to video, but yeah, there's a lot, and we're really we're really excited. No bullshit. I am fiending for Zarvat. <laughs> It's cool. I am feeding <laughs> so hard for Zarvat. Snow Hydra, Sam. Yeah. Yo, I want to hug the shit out of you, Sam. Because I want that game so bad. I'm feeding for that game. That game was like one of my favorite things I've played in the past year. So I'm super excited that other people get to get the chance to kind of dig into that. That's going to be dope. Oh, man. Will, will there be, I'm sorry, uh, Ka, uh, will there be a way for people that can't make it to Brooklyn? to see what the wonderful things that you guys are doing. Uh, uh, the good news <laughs> is that it's it's going to be in, in Manhattan. So Okay. Or yeah, Manhattan, yeah. Yes. But like for people that aren't going to be there, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, what do we do, guys? What do you think? Yeah. So we're going to try to do a live stream. That's okay. going to be our, our thing that we're going to try to set up. Um, it's a little complicated because of our three-pronged event. Um, but mm-hmm. we're, I mean, we've done streaming for other events before, so definitely think we can manage that. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, that that should be doable. We've also been talking with someone who can hopefully produce some nice video for us of the event. And we're also definitely going to take a ton of photos and put all of that on the internet for everyone. Badass. Well, we'll, we might be able to, since we're going to hold Spawn for Good stuff, we may be able to host some stuff when you guys, if you guys get a a live stream up. We can probably definitely 
post something on a Twitch stream on a Twitch channel. So that would be dope. Yeah. You can't see me, but I'm doing the Shaq shoulder. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing the Shaq shoulder. Mm-hmm. shoulder. If I could hug you across the internet right now. Right. <laughs> totally would. Throw some gold bond on them. Um, <laughs> So, so um, for for those of you who didn't realize, um, Cat Small has a has a special place in our heart. She was our first guest of the new year in 2015. Mm. She is also one of our first guests of the new year on in 2016. Um, if you guys didn't know about Brooklyn Gamery, then. Um, let's kind of talk about what Brooklyn Gamery is, where it started, where it came from, and uh, the awesome game that you guys produced. I'll let this go to Dennis because Dennis is kind of awesome. What he co- he's downstairs coding in the basement. <laughs> so yeah. so like you're coding in the basement. What the fuck else happened? How did the Brooklyn Gamery start? All right. Um, so long story short. Uh, Chris and I went to college together and Kat was always hanging out to the point where we thought she was like um, a student there. (laughs) And it turns out she was just chilling in the lounge the whole time on the low. It was a good time. It didn't actually. She was, she was good cat hunting. Yeah. pretty much. (laughs) Um, And uh, so we had a bunch of mutual friends and we uh, were hanging out and it's not till we got out of college where I was like, you know what? kind of hate what I do and I kind of don't like programming but I can make games because <laughs> games is what I live on right so uh we started a friend of ours uh Arthur Ward who I'm totally name dropping but he should be on the show nice. uh cool. he got me to go to a game jam and like basically change my life right I'm like this is dope two days to really challenge yourself and actually get something out there it's fun it's mm-hmm. so much fun and it, it, it's great for anyone who's interested into uh, game development. Like, if you want to get in, go to a game jam. And you're going to learn so much. I'm so scared. I'm so <sighs> scared to go. No, nah, but you know, that's the thing. That first one's the scariest thing. But after that, it's just old news, man. And you just get hacking. I'm like, I'll go to the first game jam that I go to. It'll probably be at Indicate East or something like that. And I'm nice. Like, well, I, can, I can type 45 words a minute. That's all I got. Yeah. Actually, I can't call. <laughs> the uh, Global Game Jam is coming up at the end of this month, and it has locations all over and would be an awesome place for you or any other folks interested in getting into game development or dipping your toe into making a game. Like, nice. uh, That was my first game development yeah. experience, too, and it's a lot of fun. So how Brooklyn Gamery started was uh, we did a jam that was for this android fork from samsung called tizen which is um the shittiest distribution of android that you could possibly ever work on it didn't work out very well yeah sorry samsung um but we yeah we worked with them and we uh in two days made our first mobile game um i stayed up for fucking 24 hours straight i thought he was going to die i thought i was gonna die (laughs) and and so the game was being worked on at all hours for the entire like 48 or 72 hours that we had and um so we get to demo and i'm like yeah you 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 guys got this i'm i'm gonna just pass out and (laughs) so we went to demo this shit 
and I was just like standing there while Chris and Kat and our friend Zer, who uh, we started the studio with, like demoed the actual product. Um, but I had built the initial prototype, uh, and we won runner-up actually. Wow! Yeah, yeah. that's like dope. we were the best game there. Yeah. Like it was a hackathon, and we got like there were yeah, it was like amazing. Yeah, so it wasn't even a game jam. We just we just built an app, but the app happened to be a game, right? Nice. And uh, so we're like, you know, uh, so at the time, Samsung begged us because they were trying to get developers to develop on Tizen because again, it's a shitty platform. <laughs> uh, and so we uh, we decided, Rip. hey, you know what? We got some prize money we could potentially win. Why don't we make a studio and finish this game? And that's that's where Prism Shell came from. Awesome. So that's nice. the name. Yeah. Which is so, the hardest game I've played in my Oh, yeah? Life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> nice. That I'm, game is I'm, hard. Yo, Prism Shell <laughs> is hard, yeah, which is blame. good. And I, yeah. <laughs> and, and I appreciate the fact that it's hard because I was like, mobile games don't don't really have challenges that you're just like okay i need to figure out how i'm going to tackle this in a way that's going to make me feel like i'm learning and also make me you know uh, a score-based game that makes me feel like i'm i i can do better at this Mm because but it ramps up in a way that's like hard but really rewarding so that that i appreciate it's like one of those things i was like i can't beat this part because shit moves too fast and i'm old and i don't know what the hell is happening <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but but it's great though it's it's i love the game the game is the game is really dope go ahead Dennis. Yeah. i know you i know you have something else to say about that. i mean well what, what do you what questions do you have for chris because i would say the difficulty curve is his fault oh yeah oh, okay so chris, so, so chris i'm mad at you chris <laughs> but i appreciate you at the same time it's it, it, no, I want go ahead. Tell me, tell me, tell me your kind of thought process behind like how you you just you, you thought about and kind of designed the difficulty stuff in Prism Shell. That's pretty. That's pretty a uh, cool thing that you actually did. Thanks. Well, the main distinguishing thing about Prism Shell, I think, is the way you move around, which is an idea that I had bouncing around in a while before the game jam. Right. And actually, when the game jam came out, I was like, oh, what if we gave this a try? And it turned out to be pretty cool. Um, the difficulty was. A sort of interesting thing we we did a lot of like just looking at spreadsheets and a lot of play testing and we had some initial conversations actually about whether we wanted it to be like a, a, a premium game or like one of those free-to-play games where you know spend real money for you know magic crystals which we ended up not doing but thank love thank you over, <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> but what we <laughs> wanted to do is to make an experience that does like grow and get more difficult over time without like just killing a a newbie in wave one and also without being super easy so we have these aliens and they do different things and uh, the aliens get stronger and you can get upgrades that help you like get stronger but the amount you get stronger is less than the amount that the aliens get stronger at the end of the game so we just tried to, to balance all of those things and make something fun and interesting. Well, b- before yeah. we go ahead, Kat. Oh, yeah. So like, the yeah, the, the really interesting thing was just the amount of testing that we were able to do to kind of really tweak that. And there are also some other really interesting bits, like figuring out how to communicate stuff properly through the interface. So there was a lot of tweaking of like how hard the game is and then also like how do we communicate these things to people as quickly as possible and 
it took months and months and months, but every time we tested it, it was like more and more rewarding. So we were really happy with the way it came out. So the the thing I want to know is, because this is a thing that I've noticed as far as devs who have put out a product, they put out a game, there's always the kind of newbies or the new folks that, that as you as you put it, Chris, the young people who, <laughs> <laughs> who, 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 <laughs> We'll look up to you now. This is like, I can't believe I said the young people. Who will look up to you now and say, hey, you guys put out a game. You guys put out a product. What should I be doing? What are the things that I should be looking towards? What are, what are some tips and tricks that you guys as veteran game devs now, oh. I said it, <laughs> can, can, impart, can impart on 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 people who are trying to get into the game and trying to put out their first, put out their first game? What are the things that you learned? I, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with Dennis on that one. Ah, shit. Um, (laughs) uh, It's going to be a rough ride for anyone that's interested. I mean, game development is not easy by any means, but you cannot be afraid to put yourself out there because something has to exist in order for you to improve upon it, right? Damn, that's deep, I mean, you know, (laughs) yeah, you just can't be afraid. You're going to get a lot of shit if your game doesn't look the way you want it to be. But the thing is, if you're too much of a perfectionist, man... You're never going to release anything at all. And you're just going to be sitting there two years down the line, like, with nothing, you know. Um, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I think there's a couple of things in there, right? So for me, it was like, definitely don't start big. Start with a really small idea. And before we made Prism Shell, I had worked on lots of smaller games, gone to lots of different jams. And eventually, we just kind of came across something that really, really worked. And it it was a lot of practice. So you're going to have to practice a ton. And the larger your idea is, the longer it's going to take. And the the longer it's going to take, you're going to need to multiply that by multiples because you think that you're going to be done. And then, (laughs) surprise, three months extra are added. Or try even, like, this one project my friends and I were working on, we had that thing going for four years. And still not done so just start with a small idea (laughs) because you just don't know how long like you think you know how long things will take but you actually don't know chris (laughs) chris you you get to drop the 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 most knowledge right now you get to drop the 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 last bit of all the goodness before we before we get to the get to the break nice go to this bitch (laughs) (laughs) well like um Dennis and, and Kat mentioned game jams are totally awesome. Definitely encourage people to go to game jams, especially the global game jam at the end of the month. Otherwise, um, I think it's really important to get your game out in front of the community whenever possible. Here in New York, we have a lot of great events where people can bring their games for playtesting. Hopefully they have things in whatever area you're in, dear listener, and... If not, there's always the internet, there's always sharing things on Facebook, but it's really important to get things in other people's hands so you can see how much people like it, because that's really encouraging, and it also helps you identify when, hmm, maybe this really isn't that super fun. And also, it just isn't fun to, to plug away on something for years without letting it see the light of day. Like, that's just really frustrating. Word, word, word. So word. true. Speaking of that, final note, um, marketing, do it all the time oh, right yeah <laughs> as soon as you possibly can please do not wait till the last second share every morsel of your game no matter how secretive you think you should be just do it speaking of marketing 
Um, it's time to market the game devs of color yet again before we go to ads, uh, more marketing. Um, so each one of you guys uh, say what it is, say where it is, say when it is, how much it is, and give me one bit of why you think people should go. Cat Small, you start first. All right. What it is awesome and supportive of a community that needs to be recognized and it's only five dollars and it's in new york new york but obviously we just said we would also internet it so you should definitely show up (laughs) chris it's going to be on january 16th in manhattan in times square and there are need-based free tickets available and it's going to show that there are game developers of all races and that they're here and making great work. Uh, Dennis, uh, and while you're doing that, because I know you you have to go, please share your social media uh, info if you'd like to. Cool, yeah. Um, Well, first off, the event, everyone should come. If you're not a dev of color, you should still show up, right? Because it's going to teach you a lot about yourself to see how all this affects others. Okay, so that's very telling. Uh, my social media stuff, on a lighter note, um, I am at Code Intensifies on Twitter. Uh, name. Problem that's is, nice. I change Twitter handles like every six months, so that's where I'm at right now. Uh, <laughs> but my GitHub, I think, would be more social, and that is CentroDL, so C-E-N-T-R-O-D-L. And uh, yeah, man, just follow the other Brooklyn Gamery guys and you'll be able to find me. So quickly, before we head to our ad break, I know that it is Tuesday when folks are hearing this. The weekend is when everyone will be out in the Manhattans in Gotham doing their thing. Can you still sponsor? I know that sponsorship levels are still on the site at Ruby, Sapphire, Silver and Gold levels. That's $150, 300 $500, and $1,000 uh, levels that you can sponsor. Can you still do that before the event goes live? Yes. Dope. We, <laughs> yes, definitely. The more that we get, the easier it is for us to do things like bringing food, compensating volunteers, and renting equipment. So, si, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So we're going to head into our ad break. Um, thank you so much, y'all, for coming through and hanging out with us, man. I'm so happy we're doing this. Uh, we're going to keep you guys on and, and, and badger you some more after the ad break. Uh, but I got to say, everybody, definitely go check out uh, the, the freaking expo. I'm so excited. The Game Devs of Color Expo is going to be so dope. So, so dope. So we'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm J.P. Fairfield, co-host of Operation Cubicle. Join me and my co-host, Sharif Jackson, as we tackle a different topic in our corporate lives and in our personal lives. Listen to our podcast at OperationCubicle.net. Hey guys, this is Milton, host of the Slavomic Gamer Podcast, where I talk all things gaming and nerdy, from anime to zombies and everything in between. You can find me on iTunes and SoundCloud at Slavomic Gamer. 
Yeah, so that was our ad break. Uh, it was so dope to hear from all the dope people that we love and want you to listen to during our show so that you can be like, yo, I heard them on Spawn on me. So that's what you can go say when you go into their Twitter accounts and then you send them pictures of cats with really big eyes and be like, that was me. I did that. <laughs> that was me. Pictures of <laughs> cats. So we're hanging out with the dope folks from Brooklyn Gamery. Uh, we just got finished talking about their dope conference that's coming up uh, this weekend. Um, so usually what we do, uh, when we have people that we like on the show is we ask them random questions from the internet about topics that we caught, that we thought of before we all got together and made our group hug. Uh, so see, I know you, I know you picked this topic. If you could bust that out for folks and then we can kind of dig. Um, so the first topic of the year is of course, what our gaming resolutions would be. Um, you know, it's, it's 2016 and, uh, you know, here we are and, you know, everyone has resolutions that they break, like, you know, going to the gym or stopping smoking or (laughs) Or stopping smoking or stopping smoking in the gym. Yes. Um, you know, (laughs) not being a hipster. Uh, so what's too hard. Yeah, exactly. So what, what are the gaming resolutions for the Brooklyn Gamery and for Bricago. Well, definitely want to start working on a new game. Uh, we're thinking about how all that's going to work, but that's definitely something that I want to do. Aside from that, I think I want to play... Well, I want to have less moments in games where it's like, this isn't fun. I'm playing a game, but I'm really bored right now. Like, I would like less of that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a that's a really really good good one. one. Yeah, for me, it's just like, yeah, I definitely want to, like, we're actually in the process right now of doing a lot of narrative generation and game design for upcoming things that we want to work on, figuring out, yeah, just like what exactly is the next thing that Brooklyn Gamery wants to release. Um, I think another big thing related to games is just going to more game jams for me. That's a big one. And then, of course, mm. the obligatory getting through the Steam catalog somehow without dying. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you always have to have think... one on the list that yep. is impossible <laughs> to actually achieve. It's never yeah. happening. Because, yes. I, I, I mean, if we even decided <laughs> to talk about our pile of shame, we'd be here for like Oy two days straight. Oy vey. It would be It would be the longest episode. Kyle, what's, what's your resolution? Um, I have a couple, actually. Um, one, I want to start streaming more on Twitch. Um, I think now I actually have a place where I can do that, where I don't get, so I don't have to like take up a lot of space in the other parts of the house. So I may, I may be trying to actually stream some more and like get the Spawn on Me channel kind of off the ground and like do stuff with it, uh, which would be real cool. Um, and then I want to try to actually finish things. <laughs> like my pile of shame is not the fact that I haven't even started games, it's the fact that I have a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't finished yet. And that's kind of annoying because I'm like, I want to get through stuff. Like I have right now Fallout. I have a Metal Gear 5 that I haven't finished, but I, it feels like I'm close. Like I got to the midpoint of the game and thought the game was over and it was like, uh-huh. no. Right. <laughs> I know that. It literally stopped. It literally stopped, ran real credits and then like started again with like new cutscenes. I was like, what? What are you talking about? I like went to Twitter and everything was like, yo, I finished Metal Gear. Yeah. What? I finished that joint. And then it was like, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, no you didn't finish me there's like all these things in the game that you right. did not do yet so uh 
a lot of that stuff. And I also want to play more PC kind of stuff. Once I one either get a rig or to get some more space on my hard drive that I can actually play some stuff. Um, I want to play more PC PC games because I think there's so many things that I'm missing out on. I feel like when people are having these great conversations mm-hmm. online that I'm missing out on a lot of them because it's stuff that I'm just like, I don't have a thing that can play that. Sorry. I know that feel. So. Yeah, so I'm hoping that I can do more stuff like that. So, what about you, C? Uh, you know, I think that the first is is finishing games, um, but it's a mixture of what you said, Kyle, and what Chris said. Is I don't want to finish bad games. I want to finish the games that I actually enjoy. <laughs> um, I I actually did spend a lot of time in 2015, or, or a fair amount of time in 2015, finishing games that I didn't enjoy. Um, uh, I, I, but hmm. but what I but I what I also want to do is I want to play I want to broaden my gaming palette, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I have hmm. I have historically stayed away from fantasy games, fantasy RPGs. It's just they just don't click with me. I'm gonna give them another shot this year and see if <sighs> see if maybe they they will click. But I'm gonna, but I'm, I'm gonna try and play lots of different games. Um, you know, maybe like a Kardashian game or, um, awesome. you, know, you know, or <laughs> Cooking Mama or, or oh my you know, god, something Cooking like, Mama. Uh, like you know, Barbie, Barbie and her sister, Dream, Dream House or something. I knew some, it was gonna be some dream. dumb shit. Yeah, um, yeah, but but I, yeah, I really, I really want to try and and really have a breadth of knowledge on a diverse set of games. Well, let me ask, let me ask everybody this really quick. So, cause that seems like a running theme of like games that were a little bit less than your favorite, but you still kind of went through it. What was the last really bad game that each one of you have played? Oh, uh, who wants to go first? I, yeah, I've got a... <laughs> one. I've got one. All right. You go, you go ahead so, first. Then. So the, so, and this is probably a, um, this is this is unfortunate and it's probably a little bit of a precursor to our our uh, Sporny show if if and when it comes off the ground uh, I think I'm thinking next week um but uh really really wanted this game to be great but it was not um and that game mm. was Beyond Eyes uh, Oh was yeah a, it was a, an indie game that was um debuted on stage at the Microsoft press conference in, during E3 mm-hmm. and one of the you know one of the few uh women on stage in the Microsoft press conference um and they talked about this game and the game was about this little girl who was blind and she was going off to find her cat and the game is probably about 4 or 5 hours long and it is mm-hmm. the most boring puzzling just disappointing i won't call it pos but it was just <laughs> just it was just a very Damn. very disappointing game like you just don't do anything like there are those games where people people say you know people complain about games like gone home yeah. uh you know it's not a game all you do is walk around and blah, blah, blah. no 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 this game it was a game where all you really did was walk around and even the parts that were compelling <laughs> weren't really that compelling um it was i i had such high hopes for 
what this game was going to be, but it just turned out to be bad. Wow. Mm, that's yeah. damn. Yeah. I mean, you could have just thrown up a voodoo doll and just <laughs> yeah. stabbed it yeah. four times without yeah. having. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's see, Kat, what, what, was, what was one of your kind of most disappointing or bad games you played? Sure. This so, um, semi recent, also going to be an indie game like Armacrog. Yeah. Have any of you heard of Armacrog? No. It, yeah. I've heard of it, but I haven't played so it. So it's, it's got really interesting points. Like, for example, it's got really a really great art style. It's claymation. That's pretty cool. Um, it's not the first time there's been a claymation game, but it's super interesting. But then I actually started playing the game, and firstly, the puzzles were super hard too fast. So it was kind of like, well, what am I doing? Okay, I'm just going to go on IGN or like GameFAQs and just look it up because it's been like an hour and I still don't know what I'm doing. So and it was just me like clicking and it's another point and click kind of thing. So you're pointing around, you're clicking, and then it turns out that there are just parts where the pointer is buggy. So you just literally can't, you know, do it. So you just can't progress. So that was really frustrating. And then just this the story, there wasn't really like I don't know. I'm I'm not always one who's like, oh, there needs to be a story in every game, but it was just like they tried to put together a story, but it was just sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not my favorite game. Um, I mean it was nice to look at, but it just felt like they tried kinda hard and maybe it just didn't turn out the way they wanted to. So that's interesting because you, you hear that sometimes when you're just like, this totally could have used more. And you're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you need a lot more than just what yeah. you just yeah, gave Yeah, they should have done a little bit more oh. playtesting. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> playtest your Calling shit. Calling it man. out. Uh, your word. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Chris, Chris, what was yours? The first game that came to mind when y'all started talking about this was definitely Watch Underscore Dogs, which in so many areas just... Didn't like it. I mean, the fact they put an underscore right. in the name of their yeah. game, they deserve they deserve to get beat up for that. Yeah. They just really wanted to get all them tweets. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been better if it was hash, hashtag, hashtag watch under dog. That's probably the sequel. Watch, uh, right. Oh, which which uh, has been announced and will, and Wait, will take about? place in San Francisco. Yep. Really? Watchdogs. When did they so announce that? So because, um, you know, as we roll into multiple stories as this thing is going on, uh, Assassin's Creed has been uh, just broke uh, via Kotaku, our, our friends over at Kotaku, that Assassin's Creed will be set in Egypt. It's going to be called Empire, but won't be coming out this year in 2016. It'll be coming out in 2017. And the heavy speculation is that the game that will be released by Ubisoft in that uh, 2016 holiday window will be watch underscores dogs too, um, set in San Francisco. Are they going to do like they did with the movie Exodus and put no bla- no brown people? No, in there it? will be there will be brown people. I mean, look if 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 there is if there is anything that Watch Dogs knows, it's how to make brown people look like shit. I was gonna say, like, they will be there, right? So they will, they will be there. I'm sure, rapping on a corner, or, (laughs) or you know, one thing San Francisco (laughs) is definitely known for is its uh, dystopian type of, you know, kind of have and have nots future and uh, lots of vagrants. So I'm sure that there will be a heavy brown vagrant population in in Watch Dogs too. So. I want to go. I want to walk up on a corner in Watch Dogs. I'm sorry, Watch underscore Dogs too, 
and meet meet some woman on the corner, and she's gonna be like, "What's up, Captain? How y'all doing? <laughs> How oh you been?" It's good. It's gonna be like Deus Sex underscore dogs. Well, I can't <laughs> have second. a no. Can I get some coins, sir? Yep. <laughs> Hello. Yep. I'd like to ride the actually. Music. Actually, if I as I what up with as the bar? I pull up my glasses as as I push up my glasses, one of the most infamous uh, memes from a few years ago was I need a Bambalance, which was said, <laughs> oh my God. which was said by a black man on the bus yep. in San Francisco. I need an ambulance. I need a Bambalance. Somebody call me a Bambalance. Oh, so, God. so I'm sure there will be a Bambalance like reference. I feel I feel like we're not helping race relations. Listen, it, well, well, you know what? If 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 we don't point it out, then they won't know. Anywhere. They won't know that it's egregious. So we're pointing it out for them to listen, so that they know exactly what not to do. Um, I feel like we just arch- Archie bunkered on the <laughs> show. Why not? Why not? There's a first time for everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like this is the this is the undiversity right. show. We're like removing diversity from the internet and from gaming while we have our so, show. So, 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 Chris, you were saying how watch underscore dogs was disappointing to you. Um, yeah, well, in so many ways too. Like the main character was almost impossibly bland yes and he was he was ubisoft the game design <laughs> yeah and the wow. game design was i think just the most shining example of like open world game where you go around climbing towers and doing chores yes, yes. <laughs> doing chores, doing chores. <laughs> wipe the glass table right. paint, paint the fence oh shit <laughs> paint the fence <laughs> And the story was pretty terrible, too. Like, towards the end, they kill, like, the main female character to make you sad. Spoilers for that shitty game. (laughs) Spoilers for Watch Underscore Dogs. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think this... (laughs) I think everyone after after that game, whoever made it through... There's, like, so many people who I know who never made it through that game because they were just like, I can't do it. Like, I just can't Uh, keep going. What you can't see over the air right now is me raising my hand that is yeah it's like it's like i remember trying to get through that game and i was like i just can't like once i got to the the part at the carter yeah yeah exactly (laughs) then i was like no i can't do it but yeah yeah i think i think games like that i i'm kind of happy that they're doing it again though because i want to see if they can actually pull together a coherent kind of story just because I think I think games like that deserve a second chance because the first Assassin's Creed was right, bad. Right. Well, the first Assassin's Creed wasn't bad. It just wasn't. It, was it just wasn't good. It the was second. Right. The second Assassin's Creed was great. Yeah, that, that was, was that was fantastic. And I, I think when uh, Watch Underscore Dogs uh, released, that was that was my hope. I think I said it here on the show that my hope was that it would follow in the same footsteps of, of this other Ubisoft title, Assassin's Creed. Um, since I mean, it was so similar, maybe they can take what they, you know, undo the bad from the first one and, and bring on, bring on the good. But there was, there was much more bad and, and watchdogs than there was in Assassin's Creed. I think, I think, yeah, 
Does that, like, yeah, I'm just thinking back on yeah. that game. I'm just like, man, there were so many yeah. things in that game that were just yeah. off. And the problem is, if people don't know behind behind the curtains, that Chris doesn't have a camera on while we all do, but his picture is of him smiling, so, so I can't cool. know if he's really sad. Right. Right. <laughs> he just Every, looks so collected. So, right. He's like so. Ha- he looks so happy in his picture, but like everything else is like so disappointed. Right. It's, 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 it's great. The voices. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, well, I guess I guess I'll, I'll end up with the the round out on that, and I would say Halo Five was mine. Like a lot of people loved Halo Five, I thought Halo Five was was pretty bland and meh. Ah, uh, wow! Um, I thought the I thought the acting was was kind of bad. Uh, there was a cool twist towards the end that I thought kind of did do some cool stuff, but for the most part, I was like, I don't need to go back to wow. that. That was awesome. That was it was like good enough to be an experience that I can say I had during the year. It was like I can check it off the list, but it's not something that I think about as like a memorable a memorable game. Oh man, I go back. I would definitely go back and and play uh, Halo 5's campaign again. Um, it's it, to me, it's like Too Fast, Too Furious, not Tokyo Drift, but Too Fast, <laughs> Too Furious. It was a bad movie, but you know you have fun while you're doing it, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, Things explode <laughs> and cars go fast. They go vroom. Cars go vroom. So exactly, that's the reason why I didn't like it. I was like, I need yeah. substance with my games. Yeah. I I put my pinky right. up. Oh, I did it. I put oh my, my pinky up when oh I drank my, my tea goodness. with your Mister T. And Mr. I was like, uh, yeah, gold he, chains on. Damn right. I was like, because 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 Halo Five was billed as as this right. really it big was. thing, it and it was it was billed bigger than it wound yeah. up being. Like a lot of the parts that went along with it, again fall into to. We talked about this early. I mean, you know, mid twenty fifteen or late twenty fifteen, and we talked about the fact that like if you hide a lot of your your story within other other mediums. It's not really good for the story right. that you're playing. It's not really good for the right. game you're playing, and it felt like that for a lot of the, the a lot of the parts that were there. Plus, I think that's a, a kind of conversation that game developers need to talk mm-hmm. about. I know it's hard to make games that big, but in the same idea that people were talking about Destiny and being mad about Destiny having this ten year plan, they have a plan, and they know that the plan is coming coming together. It's not coming together quickly, but it'll come together in, in enough of a sequence that you won't forget half the stuff that you need to remember to go play the game and feel like you're having an experience that you will remember. Mm-hmm. I was like, four, how, what was the last one between Halo 4 and 5? Was how many years? Uh, three you know? years? Yeah, like, two, who the hell? Two, two, I can't remember what happened right. two weeks right. ago. <laughs> how am I supposed to remember what happened four, like three, four years ago in a story that I'm supposed to care about? So that's the thing that I think they... they need to figure out unless they're going to do something where they catch you up. Well, I don't want to turn this into the Halo 5 cast, but there there <laughs> was there were things that they were trying to do and uh to keep you, you know, keep you engaged and and keep you immersed in the story and all of those things, but the things that they tried to do uh didn't correlate at all with the story that they right. wound up telling in Halo 5 and that, I think that was the probably the most egregious thing um that that happened with Halo 5. But I, I understand. I understand uh, why Kamudgeon, uh doesn't doesn't like this game. I won't even call you Kamudgeon on that one. Aw, it's, it's it's all good. I just like good shit. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, good mm. underscore shit. <laughs> just too classy. Too classy. Too, too, too classy. Too too classy. Too classy. Right. Too yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my God. So a story that uh, other people are. <laughs> you know what? Ow. Lotion. I, that is like the worst thing you can say to another black person. You can call their you can call their parents hey. shit. You can say a whole bunch of stuff about their parents. You can say a whole bunch of stuff about their family. You call them ashy randomly. That shit will start. A, that will stop right. a conversation. Oh. What, right. what the fuck what you call you me about my ash? What you say about my ashy? Um, God, <laughs> Jesus! Happy New Year! It did a good job just now. Hashtag oh shame butter. God. So, yep. yep. Oh. Hashtag shit. Oh my God! So, in an effort to stop ashy people on the internet, Intel Vox and Lady Gaga and Recode. Very nice. Recode. Oh, good. Uh, trying to, you know, I'm saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Are trying to keep and stop online harassment uh, from getting worse, and they're doing it through their new initiative called Hack Online Harassment. I really wish somebody with all the money that they had could have come up with a better name than that. Um, can we get some marketing on this, please? Uh, <laughs> so the hashtag is called Hack Harassment. Um, they've kind of gotten together and said, you know, we want to get people together in the space and, and and find out ways to lessen online harassment through technology, whether that be through software or hardware or through uh, kind of bigger initiatives uh, in there. So it's interesting um, because we've seen in the space over the past couple of years and ever since the Internet had people on it that didn't show their faces. <laughs> that harassment has been a yep. thing, right? So we know that that's a part of the game. We all know it, uh, and we all have been parts uh, of privy to it and seen it and, and all that stuff. The interesting thing now is like they've done this thing, and they're going to have another um, conference in 2016, uh, end of May, uh, early June, uh, at their code conference, and they're going to make this a huge thing that they're going to talk about. We've seen stuff like Crash Override uh, come up. We've seen um, folks like Randy Harper uh, kind of put stuff out in the in the world that's supposed to help um, lessen some of these effects. And we talked a little bit about how Intel has been putting money directly into funding uh, more things to kind of build up and build up diversity in, in a lot of spaces. The question I have for, for everyone in the room is, okay, so now that they've said it, what do you think is actually possibly going to come out of this? Do we think that this is going to be something that is going to do some good with all this money, all this kind of uh, press and all these people who are big wigs behind it? Um, Chris, I'll start off with you. What do you, what do you think about uh, hack harassment? Well, I'm not a big fan of the name. I think the only name that might be worse would be disrupt harassment, which totally <laughs> sounds like a, a tech bro thing to do. <laughs> But Intel's done some pretty good work in this space and uh, given some money to a lot of good organizations. So I'm definitely hopeful about that. Um, harassment is, well, one, it's mitigated by good moderation and good moderation staff. But all that requires a lot of time and or money. So if some of that fun went towards something like that, that would be good. Or I imagine they're going to look into a bunch of tech solutions to some automated moderation thing because they're tech companies and people love to tech and hopefully that'll be effective too nice nice uh see what do you think um you know i may be stub mudging on this one because uh <laughs> because i i i am very dubious as to whether or not this is actually going to make a change is going to change anything the these these things, you know, much like we said in episode 90 when we were talking about swatting, 
it really is up to and you know I'm glad that Intel and Vox and and you know these people are are trying to do things but really the only the only company that that kind of has a skin in the game of the people that are there is Recode um because most of those most of these companies aren't involved in in spaces necessarily where comments, you know, where that that type of vitriol and and the the type of hate speech that they're trying to rally against is levied, um, so they're not mm-hmm. going to be there when these things happen. They can say stuff, but they they don't they can't really affect change because they're not in a place where where they can actually you know affect change. Um, I'll, I'll ask sure. you this really quick because I know you. So we had a good part of you know kind of going back to the swatting show was we heard from uh, Jason Fagone that he was talking to the folks at Twitch, and they basically said, "I got nothing for you, man. I can't do nothing right, for you." Right, right. And and we know that that wasn't because of money, right? Because they have like hand over fist right. money at this point. And we know that it wasn't because they don't care because they have a user base that is actively being harassed and they have to kind of, well, yeah, well, do, do you think they I, have, do, I, they I, I don't care? think they care. I don't think they care because they're not incentivized to, to care. You know, they're not mm. incentivized to care. And I think that's, you know, that was one of the really great takeaways uh, from from that from that episode was was that, you know, Twitch isn't incentivized to care because these things there there isn't something that is that is divisive or uh, violent enough happening on their service for them mm-hmm. to actually have to act. You know, most of the things, right. most of the things that happen happen someplace other than where, you know, other than Twitch. Um, and, right. you know, things happen on Xbox Live, things happen on PSN, but they don't, you know, but the, those places aren't really recorded. Things happen on Twitter and people can, you know, rally together and, and try and stop that. Um, but, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it just, it just, it's going to exist. Um, and it's it's good that people raise awareness. It's good that people kind of take a stand together and, and don't, you know, aren't apathetic. And And if this, if this, lowers the level of apathy if this type of thing lowers Mm -hmm. the level of apathy then it then i think it succeeds i don't think it's going to make a tangible difference in terms of oh you know if i put that you know hashtag out there then then you know all the for example gamer gators are going to run you know run and hide um it's not going to be the cross or the you know hold the the holy water to to keep them from from jumping into place but if more people are 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 um engaged and less apathetic about it then more people are going to stand up and say you know this shit that you're doing isn't right stop doing it and and that mm-hmm. that's where the change is really going to going to happen Kat, yeah. Kat, what do you think yeah about i mean that? i think like name aside i'm i'm kind of sad that they didn't really i mean like i wanted to see more like what kind of initiatives they're gonna do like up front so like yeah i don't know um but i am excited to see what they do because intel has been doing a lot of good stuff right like they've delivered a lot like they've done um i remember just being at indiecade this year was great um and that was cool 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see like tangible things that they're, they're going to do later on. Um, cause I mean, people could be kind of cynical about it and say like, what if, what does that mean? Like if I, you know, curse at someone on my computer, is it going to shut down automatically or something like that? <laughs> or is it going to be like more serious, tangible stuff? But I'm like, everyone else kind of mentioned like, you know, anything is really helpful for like making people feel more comfortable on the internet. And that's like what I care about most is making people feel like they don't have to be afraid right. of communicating with people. Like sometimes I want to leave Twitter because people can be really terrible and that shouldn't be the way it is. And I think more companies should care about the overall effect of how all these different, you know, part like types of social media come together to cause like a very harmful movement of people. So any help at all is totally great, but I'm really hopeful that, you know, they do a lot of tangible things, whether it be like, I don't know, training or like, I just want to know more about what this is going to look like. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is like, we talked again about like um, <clears throat> who has skin in the game, but also, you know, a lot of these things are about influence, right? So it's like, who has the money that they can actually go to outside entities like law enforcement and say, Hey, this is the thing that we actually want to talk about. And it's like, it feels like, anti-harassment needs a lobby like needs a lobbyer you know what i mean like the needs that that there has to be someone who's like on capitol hill who's like this is some shit that we need to knock down and stop because we saw anita sarkeesian and zoe quinn go up to, to to congress and have a discussion with them but they're not lawmakers they're not people who are politicians where you know you'll get an influx of money because you know people are upset you know so I wonder how that's going to wind up turning itself around. Intel has enough money that they can do that. Vox has enough money that they can kind of do that and influence some people through monetary gains. And I think that that would be, you know, an interesting thing to see happen. Like the ESA has, you know, their their kind of lobbying uh, body that does that stuff. Would they would they be able to help with that as well? So we'll see. That's just in the online gaming space that we're talking about. But you know, they're talking about online harassment in general for the whole the whole thing so we'll see we'll see how that winds up yeah. going. um um so another thing that you will wind up seeing is a big ass screen in front of your face because if you spent your six hundred dollars then you would have been able to get yourself an oculus or at least put your your money where your mouth is when you were like your vr ain't shit and then you wind up buying it <laughs> he was like yeah i'm not doing this v underscore r <laughs> v underscore R's. um so so we'll, so we see. So Oculus is now out in the wild. The actual kits are, are real. There are no more DK2s. It's all about the actual kit that they sold out there. It went and sold out in 14 minutes on the internet. Uh, it was nuts to see people clamoring on Twitter about, yo, I didn't get mine. And I was like, damn, you were like, feed it. You know, it was like trying to get PAX tickets. Oh, God. <laughs> or train jam oh, tickets. Oh, <laughs> it was like nuts. So, uh, so. Yeah, what do you guys think about the price? What do you think about what you get? Uh, it looks like you you wound up getting a controller, a 360 controller. No, 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 Xbox One camera. controller. Ooh. Is it an Ooh. Xbox One controller? HQ. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is it? It's not an no, one, no, right? just it's a regular, like regular one. one. All right, so you get a regular Xbox One controller. You get the camera. You get the headset for six hundred bucks. Yeah. What do you think, Cat? Uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, I don't know. I remember seeing it back when it was in the Kickstarter phase. And so maybe I'm just like desensitized because back then I was like, oh, my gosh, not buying that. And now I'm also just like, oh, my God, OK, not buying that. 
But for other people, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe they didn't expect this, but like this is just like, you know, another day existing near like hearing about the Oculus. It's like this thing that maybe if I magically have six million dollars, I'll, you know, just YOLO. But yeah, <laughs> you'll buy, you buy 60,000 yeah. of them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, and I will. You, you'll be the Oprah. You'll be the Oprah of Oculus. You'll be like, and you get an Oculus. And you get an Oculus. Oculus Red. <laughs> Chris, what, Chris, what do you think? I think it's sort of behaving like other technologies like dvds or blu-rays or whatever like it starts off with a bunch of really enthusiastic people with a lot of money and maybe if that phase goes well eventually some time will pass and we'll be able to get them super discounted at a black friday sale (laughs) (laughs) that would be dope i don't you know what that would be the worst thing on the planet to see like hundreds of hundreds of people storming a Walmart <laughs> to go get Maybe Oculus. they won't have to storm an actual Walmart though. Maybe it'll be like a VR Walmart. But you'd already have to have oh, one shit. though. You'd have to have an you use no, your gear maybe VR. Like, maybe it's the PlayStation one and right. then people right. you know You can use your hundred dollar gear VR to to shop go. in virtual Or Walmart. the cardboard, like Yes, come on. yeah, you could yeah, you could use Google Cardboard. There you go. So you can virtu- you can virtually fight someone yes. to get a virtual yes, device. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That would be dope. That's Inception right. times two. Yeah. Oculus owners oh are gonna goodness. be in an interesting position, at least for the rest of the year. It's kind of like anyone who bought a launch PS three or a launch PS four, like there aren't really games right now. Mm-hmm. But according to mm-hmm. o- Oculus website, there's gonna be, I think, a hundred games or something like that by the end of the year. So hopefully some of those are good. Yeah, we hope. I mean, that's always the case, right? When you have new tech like this, right? So, yeah. so, See, so there's there's a lot to unpack. First and foremost, what you get in the kit, in the pre-order kit, when it uh, when you receive it in March, uh, is an Xbox One controller, the Oculus Rift, the camera, and an Oculus remote. Um, I'm not exactly sure why you have a remote, but you got you get one because um, all things costing that much must have a remote. Um, <laughs> I personally, I know that a lot of people had had a problem with with that price point. Um, I'm I was actually surprised that the price point was so low. Um, that that I was expecting expecting probably a, a couple of hundred dollars more uh, as a price point for for the Oculus for at least the initial batch, but. Uh, that's I, I you know hey I think it's cool there already are games there are a handful maybe a dozen maybe two dozen games out today that are out now that have Oculus support already um, and and mm-hmm. and work really well um, a personal favorite of mine is Elite Dangerous um, which it I mean it's built with Oculus in mind it, it an amazing amazing game you play in space. And get to look around your cockpit, um, so it's not very, uh, it's not very labor intensive in terms of what the Oculus part is. Um, so I, I really look forward to seeing what that what that looks like when I get a chance to get my hands on an Oculus, whenever that is. Um, right. Th- here we go. Uh, it is 2016. Everyone, mark your calendars down. Um, the first. Hashtag Stubnostication 
of 2016 is that the Oculus Rift by holiday will be four hundred and fifty dollars. Holiday 2016 will be four hundred and fifty dollars. I really wish that this was on Blab and people could see my face. Right <laughs> it is the most. What the fuck are you talking about? Hey, it's, it was a hashtag subnostication. It's done. It's done. I have. Oh my god! I have looked right, at my so, crystal So we're gonna balls. we're gonna mark this day. We're gonna mark this day, and then uh, you know, end of the year holiday, right. we're gonna see that you were out yeah, of your mind. There's no. There's no. Here's the thing, though, is the the one thing that kind of consoles had over a technology like this was you know when the PS3 came out people were freaking out because it was a $600 machine and people were like hell no I'm not spending that kind of money the early adopters went right. out and spent that money right. Right? Yep. and the early adopters on this end are going to spend that money to get the newest hottest dopest thing yep. that they want right the interesting thing was less about the actual price for me but it was more about the reaction to the price that you mm-hmm. saw on social media and I just wondered why people were so freaked out at a $600 price point. I would have thought that they would have been better about it because they already went through that if they were gamers, at least, and had right. to deal with right. the PS3 at right. 600 bucks. Right. So I was like, I don't understand why people are so mad. Plus, it's a new tech. Yeah. It's new tech. Like, new tech always costs the, a lot the of money. the other thing that, that I think people really need to, to kind of wrap their heads around, you know, let's, let's look at the Xbox One Elite controller. How much is that? 149 199 How much is that damn thing? One one fifty. Yeah, so it's it's one hundred fifty dollars. Everyone was you know when people people looked at it, they saw it, they were like, oh wow, and, you know, much like the Oculus Rift. Oh wow, that's really nice. Then they saw the price tag and was like, eh, I don't know. When was the last time? You know, I don't personally go into stores to shop for things, um, but I personally happen to know that you can't find an elite controller. And that thing has been out for three, three, four months. It's like the Wii. You can't find an elite controller right now. And I feel the same thing is going to happen with Oculus Rift, with the, with the Rift. Um, when, when they, well, that's the thing though, right? Is the fact that it's going to be in the store. I mean, in the online store and the people who are, who have already pre-ordered and in the back order channel now at this point are still going to get theirs, you know, a couple months after everybody else right. gets theirs. The interesting part about that conversation is less the fact that the people are going to be clamoring for it. It's going to be how everybody else positions their prices. Exactly. Going forward. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And here's your second hashtag subnostication of the year. <laughs> PlayStation VR will release at a price point of $399.99 US. Uh. And as a result, uh, that's going to sell out really. W- I think that price is way too high. Um, but I think it's going to sell very quickly, and that is going to force Oculus to lower its price to four hundred and fifty dollars. For one, and I want everyone to mark this date down because I actually agree <laughs> with a stub nostication. <laughs> stub underscore nasta stub underscore nostication. I like how the second I one agree leads to the first. Stub right. underscore. <laughs> <laughs> Undertale right. underscore hashtag. Um, yeah, I, I think it will come in at three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. That the interesting thing is going to be less about because um, it can't be it can't be two ninety nine. Right. I really right. doubt nope. that it would be nope. two ninety nine. Um, but I do think at three ninety nine, it's palatable enough that people will say this is this is consumer grade VR. The one thing mm-hmm. I am worried about is the fact that if the rumors are true. 
the breakout box that basically is the processor for PlayStation VR, if that is going to be something that adds a lot more money to the bundle or to the price of the TV mm-hmm. unit, which, which I mean, having played PlayStation VR, it's interesting too. Really quickly, having played, having having used Oculus, and having used PlayStation VR. I think the funny thing about PlayStation VR is people have these really interesting notions about what VR is supposed to be as a tech, as tech and PlayStation VR. If you play the right game at that certain price point, does it for the consumer? Like the consumer will then have an understanding of like, what is this tech supposed to give you as an, as an experience. And then once they have that, then they can kind of relay that price point to what they've actually just purchased. If that makes yeah, any so sense. Yeah, so that's so it's like Oculus. So that's the, that means that you've you've got to you've got to have the chicken before the egg. I don't know you what know, that means. I mean, like it, showing it, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it means that in order for people to because that that price point is way high. That price point is more than the price of a console. And and in order for people to be convinced that I now have to spend more than the price of the console in order to to use this piece of tech, I have to be able to mm-hmm. to see it in action first, yep. experience it first before. Right. So you right, know, right. I'm not selling it online. I'm not selling it sight unseen, except to a very few hardened early adapt early adopters. Yeah, because the, the one thing I'm worried about is the fact that a lot of people are they have this notion of what VR is supposed to be. The folks who are not going to conferences and who are not right. getting hands on stuff from the developers or don't know people who have rigs and D, uh, DK2s right. in their home. Uh, Dev kit twos for people, people, people who, who aren't cool. Um, uh-huh. No, don't don't be don't be mean to the people. Um, was, but but it's one of those things where, you know, the the everyday Joe consumer and Jane consumer, they don't know what that experience is supposed to be. So they have these really lofty ideas of what VR mm-hmm. is. And we're not there yet. We're not in the Matrix. We're not in, you know, hopefully not the Matrix because the yeah. Matrix has really bad yeah, graphics. Yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> but, not a good pick. <laughs> not a good pick. We're not in Inception. We're not oh. in Ready Player One. Yeah. Ready Player um, One. Thank you. Mm. Oh, damn. You read yeah. books. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not there yet. So it's like the idea of what you get at that price point is very different based on the fact that you have it in your home console. Mm. That home console gives you a certain level of believability or um, kind of notion of what you should be getting. So you're, you're, we'll see how that winds you're, up. Working. You're so sold on PlayStation VR in a way that, that, I, that I am impossibly not. And maybe it's because I haven't played it. Um, I'm sold on the concept of VR, but PlayStation mm-hmm. VR, I am not mm-hmm. sold on at all in terms of its viability as a a legitimate competitor to to the other uh, virtual reality uh, kits that are out there and uh, the augmented reality kit in the in the uh, in the uh, in the frame of uh, Hololens. Hollow. Yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why really quickly. Is one one I have had some hands right. on with it, so I have a different level of expectation of what you sure. can do mm-hmm. with it. Um, and having used them, using it, used an Oculus and used the PlayStation VR, I didn't get a chance to use the Vive, uh, Vive mm-hmm. yet. Um, the 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 thing that is going to keep VR relevant is the fact that you'll be able to have it in your mm-hmm. home 
and it'll be something that you don't have to have another expensive accessory to go along with. I mean, shit, that like, is the expensive already, accessory. Yeah, I was going to say it's but, but that's what I'm, expensive but, accessory. But what I'm saying, you're right. The PlayStation is already, but most people who are in the gaming space who are who have decided to go into the this console generation yeah. already have the thing. The people who are doing it on the PC side, you're already hearing them talk about, damn, I got to upgrade. But they do that anyway, though. That's that they, they, they do that they, they do, do that it anyway. anyway but but you do but there's a difference at doing it at 600 bucks with an already probably plus a thousand dollar machine than doing it at a machine that you already have for 300 bucks that you've already bought and then maybe putting another 300 bucks for it like i don't see people saving up for an oculus I can see people making a, a, a impulse purchase with a PlayStation. I game. am I am not buying what you're selling right now. Um. <laughs> and and I will say this last part because I said I was going to say the last part. Right. On my last part <laughs> was was that was that, <laughs> Kat, Kat just gave me a yeah. face like mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great. Oh, I, I I don't know if I don't know if the software that's going to go along with. Uh, Oculus development kits is going to be as good as the things that are going to come out on a console because console gamers have an idea of uh, console de- console devs have an idea of how to make a, a a home sit down in front of your couch kind of experience that leads to more kind of um, uh, more experiences that you could possibly have than you do at a computer desk at your. Oh at your man, I, I think that, that I think that I, that's part I, I'm, of it. I'm, I'm even less buying. I'm re- I'm returning what you're selling right now. I'm 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 calling I'm calling for a recall on what you're selling right now. Um, okay, yeah. that's cool. We'll we'll we'll, we'll continue yeah. this conversation. Yeah, there's, I think, there's you know, a lot once, of meat on this once ball. things. It's yes. only January, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so there is there is a lot more more stuff to kind yeah. of go on with when it comes to that. Um, but I think there isn't a lot left to go on with this episode. I think we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, and get and get folks to their yes. beds uh, <laughs> and get people to sleepy time. Um, uh, I definitely have to, to thank Cat uh, and for Dennis, who's not with us right now, because he had to, he had to leave on a train, the midnight train <laughs> to Georgia. Cat <laughs> <laughs> and Chris uh, from Book and Gamery. Is, is there anything else that you want to talk about uh, with the conference? Let everybody know right now. Yeah, so the last thing I would say is um, just go to the Eventbrite page, and it's only $5. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really fun time, and right now it's near only. We're hoping to do another one of these in the future. It seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. People are really excited about it. So, yeah, just check it out, share it, um, and, yeah, send it to anyone you know who might be interested. We're not only looking for you know, um, game developers, but also people who like to play games. So see you there. Yeah. Full, full on plug. Uh, give the, give the name and give the dates and, and location. Yeah. So game developers, game devs of color expo 2016. Um, it's happening in New York, New York, and it's on January 16th. Right on. I wanted to say what, what? After <laughs> the part. <laughs> um, and, and I guess before we, uh, give the social media business and all that good stuff. We have our own little thing that we're throwing. We're doing spawn for good too. uh, the same, the same weekend. 
the 16th to 17th MLK weekend. Uh, we're going to be raising dough, hopefully five grand again for the National Network of Abortion yes. Funds. I want to definitely thank them for the for the amazing press release that they put out. I want to thank them for all the support that they've given us to, to kind of make this thing go down. Um, and all the folks over there and, and we'll thank them more because, you know, some of those folks may even stream with us during the during the uh, event. So, again, we're going to be uh, raising money for awareness towards reproductive rights for everyone yeah. and for ab- abortion access for everyone. Uh, and hopefully you will all come out and support and, and, and share good stories and share good words and support and watch the people stream. We'll have a schedule up uh, during the week. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll hit our five thousand dollar goal. I think we can do it. We did it last year. Uh, Kat was one of one of the dopest streamers yes. in the crew. Right. She's she was <laughs> playing some dope stuff. We'll have some giveaways as well. Uh, that that some some lovely folks uh, donated to us. Uh, so we'll be able to do that and get that on the ball. So uh, Spawn for Good Two is in for yeah. effect. So see. Uh, uh, before we give our social media business, I think it's only right if we let uh, Chris. And Kat, give their social media business. Chris, uh, you've been kind of quiet over there. Uh, people want to get in touch with you. They heard you on the show. They really like you. Uh, they want to not harass you online. Where can they do that? <laughs> I appreciate folks not wanting to harass me online. That's really super. The easiest way would probably be Twitter. And my Twitter handle is Chris Algu, uh, C-H-R-I-S-A-L-G-O-O. That Avi is oh, a brown guy with sunglasses, so it should be pretty distinctive. <laughs> And as for the stuff that I'm doing with Kat and Dennis for the expo and for the games we're developing, that Twitter handle is at Brooklyn Gamery. And we talk about all of our events and everything we're working on there. Dupe. Cat. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn Gamery. Totally just said that one. And my personal Twitter is C-A-T-T-S-M-A-L-L. So that's Cat Small, and I also have the URL for that, and I'm basically that on everything. So don't stalk me, but do feel free to follow me on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> or check out my website. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> see, see, you had a with the social media businesses as follows. Uh, if you want to follow our great captain Kyle Mudgeon, he is at Kajakins on Twitter. I am the fumbler, bumbler, and stumbler of words. I am at Stubby Stan. The show is at Spawn on me uh you can check out all the great things that we're doing by going to our website spawn and uh make sure you check out the show on itunes and soundcloud and npr1 and player.fm and all your favorite podcatchers uh make sure you rate review subscribe tell your friends do all the things don't harass um although you could i guess you could harass us um it's it's cool uh, in a yeah. loving way. In a loving way, yes. Lovingly harass me. Uh, <laughs> wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> what? What just happened? I don't what know what just hell? happened. You just told. You know, I know what just happened. Right? Yeah. Yourself, Maybe I did. Um, you'll never know. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So, and uh, if you if you like what we're doing, um, you, you're gonna see us this weekend on uh, Spawn for Good. Um, we're gonna be trying to raise some money for. Uh, for a really great cause, something that we really, really believe in. Um, but if you really, really believe in us, um, donate some money to to us in our Patreon at patreon.com slash spawn on me. Word. Yeah. And, and while you're donating towards uh, uh, abortion rights, I'm sorry, abortion funds, 
Uh, that's their their Twitter uh, handle. Uh, you can definitely donate and tip us as well during during the streams and things like that. We'll have a tip jar up there if you want to do some donating to us as well. But for now, uh, we're going to boogie up out of here. This was episode 92 of the Spawn on Me podcast. And we will say peace. Peace. peace.